How's it We're going, back. Dave? We are. Three cameras now. Yeah. All over the board. Look at each of them. Look at that I one. Know. And then look at that one. I'm I'm excited. And then look at that one. Yeah. I I'm pretty excited about the response rate from the the first couple yeah, already too. It was like, really good. I, like okay, it's not a ton of views. I get that, but I'm just looking at like the responses and people saying like, hey, I listened to it. It's cool. It really helped me. It's like, it's really just set out to help one person. Yeah. Two people. Three yeah. people. You know, so it's just cool. And now, like, we're going to get new mics and stuff. So it's just, we're going to continue yeah, to increase the quality. I mean, quality I think if it. anybody finds at least a little bit of a takeaway from it, it's it's worth it, you know? Yeah. We need a side note. We need to have more deeper conversations like we had at the ride home. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's a better, the, a better vibe here. Oh, yeah. The ride home talk. <laughs> we'll have to do a, a good after hours where we just talk about nonsense for. So Sam and I and Alex, we uh, visited Tulam. Um, he owns Ronin Tactical. Uh, mm-hmm. We went out to Colorado and met him in person. So we took a, a one-day trip. Within 24 hours, we drove from Appleton to Milwaukee, flew out of Milwaukee, went to Colorado, slept for like five hours, visited Ronin for like four or five hours, mm-hmm. drove back to the hotel or back to the airport, flew back to Wisconsin all within 24 hours, and drove from Milwaukee to Appleton. Yeah, it was a very fast 24 hours for sure. But like going back on all the previous podcasts, like that's what you have to do in some scenarios. Like that's what differentiates you from other people that aren't willing to do that. Yeah, I agree. We had a little discussion that I think you don't see a lot of people willing to do that or like especially in the influencer space, people just seem to send stuff or, you know, they give them a product or some presence on social media, which is great and all. But like. There's nothing quite like meeting somebody in person and no. shaking their hands. And we had some seriously cool conversations yesterday. It was rad. Yeah. And Tulam, if you're listening to this, dude, the most humble, down-to-earth guy ever. Like, I, I have nothing but great things to say about him. Dude, he was so much fun to work with. When we were shooting the video and, like, he would, he'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then he would snap into, like, like this character and he was so serious dude. and, like, ready, like, on the spot. And it was like, I love working with people who are, are good yep. in the photo, you know, in the video who automatically sort of know. That was like the next level of yep. of what you can ask for. So And like you said, you could tell that he did it before. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. You could tell that he, Hundreds of times. he's done those acting. Yeah. He's, he's done all that before. But like that whole time with him, not only like on his background of like what he did in the Green Beret, like his... Uh, childhood growing up, being a refugee, like it is so cool to see where his mindset's at right now mm-hmm. and how he overcame everything that he went through. Because, dude, what this guy – I was just talking to Dylan Crazy about this. Life. So he said at eight years old he was floating in the ocean as a refugee going trying to get to another country with his mom and dad, I believe. And I, I, I told Dylan, I'm like, what were we doing at eight years old? I'm like, we were sitting at a dinner table with a home-cooked meal, you know, bitching yeah. and moaning not to eat our peas. And this kid is eight years old, like, trying to get out of this war. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And to see where he's yeah. at today, it's, it's like, honorable to be like, you can literally make it through whatever you go oh, through. 100%. I think with somebody like that, when they start telling you their mindset or, you know, the way they look at, they look at things, you, you have to sort of... Imagine the way you look at things, and then if if he's still got the faith, if he's still got the hope, you know, if yeah. he's got the outlook and 
and everything. It's like, well, fuck, dude, what am I doing? Right, right. It it makes you realize what we have taken advantage of mm-hmm. and like what we truly have in this life. Like we might think something goes wrong throughout our day, but like on the grand scheme of things, that's such a minuscule problem. Mm-hmm. And when you compare it to some, like, yeah. I don't like comparing wise, but like when you compare what somebody else has gone through, it's like, dude, what we just went through is nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and I, I think you shouldn't discredit yourself, but yeah, in the scheme of things, like if it's, if you think it's holding you back, then absolutely you mm-hmm. should, you know, get, like compare yourself in the way that like, Hey, somebody else has had it way worse than me. I'm, I'm fortunate mm-hmm. and practice that gratitude in that moment. Like, yeah, you know, today might suck, but holy shit, I got a car to drive. I had right. breakfast this morning. I've got fresh water whenever I want it. Like, yeah. So if anybody's listening and they're going through some troubling times or have gone through troubling times, highly recommend you check out Tulam's stuff. He's Ronin Tactics. Yeah. Or is it Tactical? Ronin Tactics. Ronin Tactics, R-O-N-I-N Tactics on Instagram. He's got some amazing videos of how he overcame it. Uh, he talks about his previous life and what he's doing now and how he, because that's the thing is you see him now and how mentally clear he is, mm-hmm. but like the last couple of years, he even admits that he had a ton of troubles. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't the man he is today. So like if anybody's walking through stuff, like you have time to, to get to that, mi- like that mindfulness, yeah. you know, it just, it takes extreme work on yourself, mm-hmm. plain and simple. But yeah, dude, that that whole trip was was awesome. Like yeah. when we're booking the tickets on that Thursday, I'm like, dude, I, really, we're gonna travel that Sunday at night. But then I'm thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, word, what did I just say on Monday? We need to do the things that others are not willing to do. So it's like, let's go, let's go do it. There were so many like turnaround spots as well. On our way down to Milwaukee, there was a giant like pallet fire or a pallet manufacturer like started on fire and they closed down the whole highway. Like, they were just diverting traffic. And how late are we? And, I mean, we're already <laughs> 20 minutes late, right? Yep. Like, on the way to the airport, you know, granted, it's it's a, it's Milwaukee, so it's not the biggest airport in the world, but you're still thinking, like, fuck, okay, I got to get through security. I'm going to have to put on my shoes. Like, how and far is the terminal box. away? We had a box we had to check in. Yeah. So it's like, like we get, you know, we get pulled off by the, the officers and, and sent, you know, or yeah. sort of ushered off. I shouldn't say pulled off. Um onto like an off ramp and Dane's like, Sam, find me, you know, like remap me, you know, like let's get we to the airport. Go. Yeah. And so we're taking these country roads like hammering. Yeah. And <laughs> to, to get to the next highway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh and so we made it to the airport in time, I would say. It was and close, then, yeah. And then we had to take the Viper chair. So we we boxed up Tulam's chair and brought it to the airport with us as a carry on, as a check in as a check bag as a checkbox mm-hmm. it's a check chair check 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 mic one two one <laughs> <laughs> so, no it's a check bag so and then the guy behind the counter goes oh hey you're you're right in time i've only got two minutes to be able to load it up yeah which was i mean that was cutting it tight yeah because they they have so much time to get all the stuff if the plane's there they want to load it right away mm-hmm. and like we bust it came extremely late oh yeah i mean without a doubt but i like what you said though you said there's a there was a lot of what you say turning turning points or a potential potential turning spots points. for us to be like okay this isn't gonna work but isn't that every day if you think about it like yeah go through like yeah imagine how many turning points there are that like you power through that end up leading to what you're destined yeah. to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's just cool to think of like taking that small scenario into like the grand scheme of things. It's cool to look at it from a bird's eye view. Mm-hmm. But like 
that trip wouldn't have been what it was if it every time we run into I don't want to say a problem, but like it's always chaos. It's a Let's just say chaos. It's the chaos challenge. is a great yeah. word for it. Whenever we're traveling with you and me, Dylan, mm-hmm. Alex, something chaotic kind of always happens. Almost always. Like there's yeah. always a panic <laughs> at some point in the trip. And if there isn't, then I'd be worried. See, but we've learned from it too. And I mean, Alex, you know, we give Alex a lot of a lot of, you know, I don't know what you'd call it. Beat or yeah. shit. Yeah, we give him a lot of shit. But at the end of the day, like like he's really good at remembering shit that we would have forgot. Like so we went, you know, obviously we went to the building for Ronin Tactics, right? And it's not a car garage. Yep. So and most places aren't gonna just have a toolbox. Right. And like immediately on our way there, he's like, Hey, we gotta stop somewhere and pick up tools. And so we did. Right and, around the corner is a harbor freight. And they like he would not have had the no. wrenches we needed to put together his chair. He wouldn't have had, you know, the Allen wrenches or yeah. anything like that. And so, like, we learn from these experiences. As much as we – there's right. always something happening. Always. If you can learn from it, all the better. Exactly. And if you experience those failures again, that's your fault. Yeah. You know, like, if yep. there's if there's a preventable failure, then that's kind of your fault. <laughs> but one, one last note on the Ronan thing. What really, like, gave me more appreciation for him – was this dude's busy, right? Mm-hmm. He's got all this shit going on with like the Call of Duty stuff. He's dropping new guns. He's doing all this. And he blocks off four hours of his day. Mm-hmm. Again, just solely for us from 9 a.m. to, to noon. He's he even thought of us beforehand. He's like, I oh, yeah, brought all my gear just in case you I guys want I wanted. brought the lighting equipment like, if dude, you want to use it. Yeah. Like, like, so. That was a dream. Put yourself in his shoes. Like, I. I really admire that stuff because I see like how busy we are mm-hmm. on a day to day, and I want to be more like that. Mm-hmm. Where like I take time out of my day for somebody coming here that wants to like oh, be a time. partner, and I need to get better at that. So it's it was so cool seeing him do that, and like take three hours out of his day. Super for, respectable. Yeah. So like I I really took that to heart on the on the fly home last night. I'm like really digesting that, and like I'm like I could definitely grow in that area. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But it's a tough thing to do. Yeah, we left Sunday night at uh, – we flew out at 10 p.m., so landed in Colorado at 1 a.m. Yep. Didn't get to the hotel till like 2, 2.30. Mm-hmm. Then we just got back last night at 10.30 in Appleton or yeah. 10 o'clock in Appleton. It was so, probably PM. 27 hours worth of traveling and driving and visiting. Yeah. Yeah. But it was the most fun. It was so much fun. So you start to realize how much you could actually do in one day. Oh, yeah. In 24 tons, hours, like someone's right? like, I don't have time for this. I'm too busy. Dude, you got plenty of time. You might be busy, but yeah. let me tell you, you can do a lot. You can do a lot of shit, like travel to a whole different state and do an interview and, and come, come back. come back all like, in the same day. But yeah, it was cool. Um, glad to be back. Excited to get this going more. Pumped to order those new mics today. Yeah. New stands, because I want to give these guys a better experience. But yeah, let's let's dive into Let's pick off. Pick up from where we left off. Okay. On the the last episode, so like we're in this space now of like moving to our first facility. Yeah, I remember that. Right. Yep. The three thousand square foot facility. We talked about the landlord, you know, mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, we're gonna go month to month because I don't think you guys are gonna make it." Yeah. And um, again, this is like a low point in my life of like not really knowing 
where this could go. And like, I didn't even, I don't even think I know knew myself. So I, I didn't tell you, I went back and remember when I said I recorded videos mm -hmm. in that time mm -hmm. and I found some and like, I just watched myself like talk and I'm like, I'm like, who is this guy? Like I didn't relate to him because like the growth that has happened over the last two years has been insane. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, Not just business, like personal. Personal growth. Like even my, like my hair was a mop, dude. I had it like, it was like a, it was like a mushroom. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah. It was bad. We have, we have similar hair. Uh, yeah. But so we move into this facility and like, we, it was, it was a very uncertain time. COVID's going around. Everyone's kind of talking about like, Hey man, you better buckle up either start growing now. Like do the amount of outside noise there was at this time. So this is 2020 of, Oh, we're going to go into a recession. Oh, we're going to go in, into a depression. And if you're starting a business now, I would rethink that. If you're at, at grassroots, like highly recommend you not starting in a wait until all this is over. Mm -hmm. And that's something I want to touch on because like internally, that is the most scary thing ever. But at that point, there was nothing to lose, mm -hmm. you know, like, Oh, I totally agree. I didn't have anything. I didn't really have like a job. I didn't have a job. Yeah. All I had was Viper. So it was like, as much as you can listen to like the outside noise of voices telling you what you should and shouldn't do, you have to follow your heart and your gut. And like Ronan, it, it's funny. Ronan actually just talked about that too in your, in your mind. Your mind and your heart are connected. Like it's it's one thing and mm -hmm. you have to just follow that regardless of what anybody else says. So like that was a really tough point to like continue to push through all the noise and the the world's ending on like the headlines. Seriously. Like yeah. it was it every was, headline. Yeah. And I almost just like completely ignored all that and just went. I'm like, okay, if it's gonna go down, like at least we gave a shot. Mm. Like at least we gave it, gave it our all. So I'm like, in my mind, all I'm thinking of, let me just take it day by day. I'm going to do it whatever I possibly can today. And that's all I'll worry about. Mm -hmm. And I did that one day, one day, one day, over a week, over a month, over a couple months, over a year. And you start to like, it's so fucking cool. What you start to see mm -hmm. the business starts expanding. You start getting more people. You start getting more money in the bank account. You start like, one one step at a time it starts to grow and grow and grow and like so what are some that real quick sorry yeah go what are some like good indicators like as you know being a small business owner as it begins to like expand like how do you how do you know you're actually seeing growth i mean is it just a financial like bank bank statement is it like looking at your you know your um like it like income versus like expenditure mm -hmm. You know, like, is it, is it looking at the size of volume? Like, you know, yeah. the orders that you're doing, is it being able to place bigger POs for more parts so you can save a little bit more? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Cause at the early stages where at least we didn't, I feel like a lot of companies don't have like their, their books set up properly. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you're kind of taking the knowledge that you have to set up like your accounting, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like we didn't really rely heavily on the P and L and like balance sheet and stuff like that. Yeah, we would we would rely more on the bank account. Like that's like your active cash flow. Like it that's is. what you got sitting yep. in the bank. So like Dylan and I always kind of operate off of that. 
and we have an idea of like what's coming in and what's going out just from the POs being placed and like all everything going out in the facility. We kind of have an idea of like where the money's going. Like now we're bringing in a new machine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need to see that on the books. I know it already of like where it is in the, in the bank account, mm-hmm. you know? So like in the early stages when you know, your company's growing is just by like, I give it like, like I said, is you start to, you get more people orders start to grow. You have more customers reaching out. You start building out your website more and you start like, okay, now you start implementing procedures and systems and all this shit that you never had before. Now you can afford a camera. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now we're, now we're growing out of the building and we might have to find a new building. Like that's, that's the kind of growth. You don't even have to look at the bank account for that, you know? Okay. So are there false indicators that you think that some people could fall into? hundred percent. Like so if you're, if you're an overseas company or sorry, if you're an American company and you're buying overseas product, you could get yourself in a major pickle by not having enough cash to pay for what's coming in. So what you could do is, okay, let's say we buy product from overseas. Okay. And we're buying fidget spinners. Yeah. Fidget spinners. Good example. (laughs) You put, you have to do a a down payment. So you put that $50,000 down payment on or whatever. And that's six months, maybe sometimes even seven months until you get that product there. Okay. So you get the product there and you, now you have typically it's like net 30 to pay for the remaining Mm 50,000 or the remaining balance. So you have all that product there. If you don't sell it, like you still owe that money, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you're doing like all these pre-sales and stuff and no one's buying your product, but you have to pay that back when it's coming in, you have no money or you yeah. can't afford it because you're not selling any product. Another area that, that people go get themselves in a pickle, let's say that works out. You so, you sold all the fidget spinners, right? So Okay. Yeah. Real quick. So that would be like overspending on things you can't, that you can't guarantee are going to move. Yeah. Not having it. Let's just say, let's just say the fidget spinners, they did start selling. Okay. So we placed the order. We said, "Hey, pre-sale now!" Boom, boom, boom. They're they're selling yep. selling good. Pretty much sold the whole container before it even got here. Nice. I'm like, dude, hell yeah! Let's double the order. Okay. All right, cool. Doubled it. Now it's a hundred thousand dollar down payment. Yep. Right. So you pay it, and it's coming in. Let's say COVID happens mm-hmm. or something, and nobody's spending money anymore. Mm-hmm. And especially on overseas product, you still have to pay for that. Mm-hmm. So what I see a lot of new companies getting problems with is when what you're buying isn't coming in for longer than like six months or like three to six months. You have to have a quick cash turnover on your inventory. So you don't want inventory sitting on your shelves longer than say one month or two months. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to turn that inventory quickly because otherwise if you sit on it, that's that's money just sitting on your shelves. So brands will get in trouble by buying from overseas and it takes so long to get here to where sometimes it takes too long to the point where there might be something happening in the, in the market. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, their overhead got too high. They started hiring too many people and now they can't afford that next payment of the shipment coming in. Okay. So that would be, that would be like an area where I would see companies kind of running into a problem. Cause right now it's really cool to start a company and buy, buy it cheap. Mm-hmm. Jack your prices up, and oh, now you have a Shopify brand. Yeah, that's cool and all, but 
you're not building like a, a survival brand. You're not building a brand that's going to survive through any industries. Yeah. You know, you're just trying to make a quick buck, which is fine. That might last for a year, two years, three years, whatever it is. But like, you got to f- get down to the fundamentals and play it safe on when troubling times may be coming. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. And I mean, every, almost every time I think it is it's worth considering the future and you know, we might not have a COVID every 100 years or every 50 years or whatever, but there's going to be some world event, you know, whether it's an economic downturn or whatever it is, to always consider that. So, okay, with that being said, are there other things that, like, that pop up in the course of doing, in the course of starting a business that are either maybe they're flashy, maybe it's like, mm-hmm. like, how do you know where to dedicate you're given man hour, like man hours, you know, if you're working, let's say 12 hours a day as an entrepreneur starting a business, you know, and you've got a partner who's mm-hmm. also willing to put in maybe an equal amount of time, mm-hmm. if you're lucky, you know, like, how do you know where to dedicate those man hours to? Like, do you say X amount for marketing, X amount for, you know, customer order fulfillment, customer service, like those things start to compound kind of fast, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in the beginning. You're, so you're saying, uh, how did are you saying dedicate money or are you dedicating no, resources? Dedicate, like dedicate like literal physical resources. If you're starting up a business and maybe you don't have the the finances to, you know, to to pay for a customer service rep or right, you know, like like how do you how do you dedicate your time accordingly? You, you have to do it. So the beginning times, like that's where when you hear the slogan of you wear many hats mm-hmm. and in, in the beginning stages, which is a, another good point that companies run into is they think that they're the owners or CEOs will think that they're too good to do some of the jobs. And that's the first problem right there is in the beginning stages, you have to do every job. You have to learn how to do. We talked about this on oil and whiskey podcast. You have to learn how to do every position because then when you hire for it, how are you going to train for it? Mm-hmm. You, It's difficult to bring somebody in, let's say for like operations and just be like, unless it's like super, super early and be like, hey man, yeah, I, I kind of just set it up. Like I had somebody else before run it, you know, they, they, they set up the processes, but they, they ended up leaving. Now you're, you're here to clean up the mess. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have I, I have no I've never set it up for operations. So I I would get this guy in and be like, hey, I don't really know how to do it. I didn't set it up, so I'm gonna trust you to to set it up. You have to learn everything. So let's take that scenario on the other end now. If I set up the systems and I bring somebody in, I'm like, hey man, this is what we have going on. This is how I set it up. Mm-hmm. Here's my thought process behind it. How can we make it more efficient? Bring your previous expertise to now make this system even better. People will fail by, like I said, thinking that they're too good to do things in the beginning stages to where they just hire out for it. And that can become super troublesome Mm -hmm. because you're kind of relying on that person to set up your own systems. Yeah. You know, and unless it's like a super trustworthy person that you feel confident for. Or somebody with years of experience. Correct. Yeah. To where like Dylan and I built this off of just pure gritty hard work. Like- the syst- in order to get the systems we have out there, we had to fail. Mm-hmm. We had to set up previous systems that didn't work, like that were a complete failure. Yeah. And go th- and struggle with it for like weeks 
until we're like, okay, let's, this isn't working clearly because we're mm-hmm. working our asses off. How do we make this more efficient? You know, let's yeah. buy a conveyor. Let's buy pallet racking. And so I think a good example, a more clear example, especially in our warehouse now, is you guys used to have the rackings laid out and it was one line for e- like each mm-hmm. product, yep. which it worked because everything was sort of there for that product. Yep. Um, as we started to grow, there were inefficiencies, like mm-hmm. big time. Uh, each product has a similar seat and a similar backrest and a you know similar backrest arm. All those products are are separated in four different areas rather mm-hmm. than being in in one spot. Yep. And so like that almost becomes not like the opposite of a of a bottleneck. It's just too scattered, you know. Like it it's too all over the place, and so suddenly like. It's chaotic. Yeah, and what you guys have done on there is fantastic. It's a, I mean, I'm sure it's not perfect, but mm-hmm. it's getting better. So, that's a prime example of it. Is we wouldn't have that out there if we didn't have those those lines set up before. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if we would have just hired somebody off the bat at a previous stage, they probably would have came in and be like, "Hey, let's spend all this money on on yep. pallet rack. Let's spend all this money on conveyors." When we one might not have had the money for it. Or two might not even have think that was the way to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you have to go through those inefficiencies and failures to get you to that next point. Like you have to be uncomfortable for a while to really truly understand what you need. So like yeah. you're talking to give the audience an, an idea, we had we have let's just say for easy sakes, we had five main products. Mm-hmm. We had an assembly line for each product, and we had one dedicated person for each line because they're relatively all the same volume. Mm-hmm. We ran into a problem because each product had like many, 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 many different variations and combinations, colors, different. If it's quick height or Acme rod, it's a whole different chair. So things were getting mixed up. There's a lot of confusion and a lot of orders coming in. So mm-hmm. we're like, okay, let's take Let's keep this stupid simple. Why don't we just do one big snake line and set up five different stations? Yeah. And have one dedicated person per station. They have way less responsibility. They have way less what to remember. And everybody's working as a team instead of each person on their own line. Mm -hmm. We saw such a dramatic decrease in lost part or uh, forgotten parts wrong color backrests or legs or casters or whatever it was, wrong seat color, the drop in or the increase in customer satisfaction from getting all the right stuff in their box the first went time. through the roof. Yep. Went through the roof after setting up this this system. Um, where before it was, it was daily, hey, I'm mm. missing this. Hey, I'm missing this. Hey, I'm missing this. And we had to go through that headache to now get where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure what we have right now isn't done. You you know oh I, there will be new versions of it in the exactly. future exactly so we'll we'll reconvene at the end of the quarter and say hey guys what are you running into sales guys what are you what are you seeing from from the audience or from our customers and let's make this better let's make it even more efficient you know what I'm saying like I look mm-hmm. at it as like an oil change yeah. like I want this engine to run smooth you know and towards the end of the year wherever it is like every quarter got to get an oil change yep. you know let's clean the shop up a little, little rough. bit exactly yeah. how do we make it even better. And keeping it clean and, and always functioning properly. Yeah. You know? So and especially as you add new products and as you add, you know, new options or whatever it might be, new accessories, like the I mean, it has to change. Well um I wanna take one tiny step back though and say that for those people who can't invest in something immediately mm-hmm. up front, 
you just have to start with something. Just because you can't have the perfect snaking conveyor belt doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just means that you need to find a, a different way to do it in the meanwhile. Yes. Even if it takes a little bit longer, even if it's a little bit slower. Later nights. You know, later nights, more whatever. More pain in the ass. Like, earn that earn that capital, put in those hours, and, and, and get there. And then when that opportunity arises, you will have the money to be able to afford that the efficiency that you want well said so we went through that a lot is um whenever we would like look up to like some of the other entrepreneurs in like our area people Mm -hmm. that we we looked up to and saw the organizations we're like damn i want to see that we'd see videos of them out in their warehouse and everything and i'm like look at how big they are how are they doing this and you come and look at viper we we at that time had one conveyor line and you know what, like internally it, it hurts because it's like, but I look at the grand scheme of things, it's like, dude, they've been in it for 20 years yeah. and we've been in it for two years, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, we'll get there, but like, just don't be discouraged if you're listening and you don't have, like like Sam said, if you don't have the capital to to buy all this stuff, trust me, we didn't either. Mm-hmm. I remember the call I had with Dylan when we were boxing. So we had lines on the ground. Like we were literally had customers orders on the ground and we go through with a checklist to check to make sure all the parts are in there, the right colors, everything. Mm-hmm. The most inefficient process ever. And then we dump peanuts in it, and like the the boxes were like heaping, like it was like a round. It was bad. Yeah. It, was like, it was like a bowling ball. And I remember calling Dylan, and I'm like, because this is when he still kind of worked. He worked at RMD, so mm-hmm. we'll we'll hop into that backstory and he'll, we'll, we'll he'll talk be on. about it when Dylan's on. Yeah, yeah, but. I give him a call and I'm like, Hey, I think I'm going to buy this conveyor line. Like it's, it's uh 30 feet expandable. Like you can, you can, it's, you can move like it. Accordion. If you, yeah. You can, yep. you can move it if you want. He's like, how much? I'm like, there's a, uh, Smitty's auto salvage. They got like a rusted one up. We could just clean it up and we'll be good to go. He's like, how much? I'm like 700. Typically these conveyors, like you can buy that for like $1,500 new, mm-hmm. like from Uline or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like seven hundred. Like it's huge. He's like, dude, no way. We can't afford it. Like, no way we're gonna get that conveyor line. I'm like, but we need it. Mm-hmm. You know. I'm like, I'll find a way to pay for it. Like, we're gonna buy it. And I knew we needed it, so I just bought it anyways. But like at that point, we had no. We could. We could barely afford a conveyor line. But that helped us get to that next stage, like you were talking. Now we could. We could be more efficient. We could get more orders out. Rather than walking to each part, now you can drag the you know, the box and fill in the box exactly. as you walk down the conveyor line. So you're not like running back and forth, yep. less steps, saving yourself some time. Yep. We rearranged the facility a little bit. Less errors. Yep. And um, so if you're ever at the point like where you feel you don't have the money, but you could possibly do it and you feel like it could help bring your business to that next level, you have to take the jump sometimes and you have to just go and not think too hard about it because the more you think about it or the more you stay inefficient – the less orders you can get out, the less money you can make, the less improvements you're making on your process, mm-hmm. which in in end, you know, doesn't allow you to grow. You you're almost yeah. capping yourself on on your capabilities. So, uh real quick, with that idea, you know, so you guys bought the conveyor, was there anything you guys purchased or did while you were at that smaller facility uh which now looking back at it, you realize was just a shiny object? It did not make the business any more efficient. It did not make um, the processes any quicker. 
Was there anything that like in the course of, you know, starting a business that you saw that was flashy mm. and you're like, we have to have this to be a business or we have to have this in order to, mm. to succeed? To be honest, we never broke, like we never splurged on things that like were kind of like a shiny object. Mm-hmm. We, we knew that we couldn't get, like, I think we, I think that was one huge advantage of us is internally we knew we couldn't buy the shiny stuff. Mm-hmm. Like say a forklift, for example, we could have broke the bank on it and bought that brand new uh, forklift that the salesman was trying to sell us. You know, that would have been a huge mistake because you can buy a forklift that's a fraction of the cost that, you know, has, yeah, 10,000 miles on it, but like it's doing the same job. It is. You know? Yeah. So we had a good sense in the beginning stages of like knowing like where that line is drawn and to make sure that we don't cross it. Mm-hmm. In regards to like finances and buying those shiny objects, like for example, we got to the point of we had so our seat manufacturer. This is early on. Was we had a lot of seats coming in to to the point where we had I to go think pick I know them where up. This story's going, yeah. And this we, is the uh, if anybody's listening, this I've heard Dane and Dylan both say this is the yeah. best purchase they've ever made. Yeah, exactly. So we had the seat manufacturer. What like he was typically dropping off the seats, and it got to the point where he's like, "Hey man, I'm I'm making a lot of runs. Like, can can you guys start coming and picking up these these seats?" And we're like, "Yeah, we'll we'll Dylan or I'll come and do it at this point. Like, we'll just do it either early in the morning or late at night. Just leave them outside." Mm-hmm. And we couldn't afford a truck to go and do the picking up because that's a hundred dollars every pickup. So we did the math, and we we did the runs for like two or three weeks. I had a a charger, like a 08 charger. Dylan had like a 08 Dodge Avenger. Not we a were whole lot of space. Stuffing these boxes of seats in our in our cars to the point where we were leaving some behind, and we looked at each other we're like, "This isn't working." Like, yeah, let's get a truck. And right away we start looking for like a nice box van, you know, like one of those. I'm like, It'd "Be great if it rains. Like none of the seats are gonna get mm-hmm. wet." We look up the price, it's like thirty grand. We're like, Oof. "All right, <laughs> we're not getting that." So we go, and one of our employees had this 96 Dodge Ram that had a huge bed in it. Yeah. It had no cover on it. And we just approached him like, hey, man, like, do you want to – I heard you want to sell your, your truck. He's like, 2500 bucks. it's yours. We're like, that's a lot of money. Yeah. But, like, I'm sick of running. So, like, all right, let's do it. That was Viper's first Huge purchase is a twenty five hundred dollar ninety six Dodge Ram, and that thing is that still shiny. Runs to date, like I, I mean, just, under the rust, it's shiny, dude. Yeah. It, she's beautiful, and I don't think the speedometer quite works. By the way, it doesn't. Chris and I were in it, and it's like five, it's like five miles per hour under the yeah, it's like, what it is, yeah. So to give you an idea, like this thing's not beautiful. No. It's not a beautiful truck. Oh my god, no. So. It, we could have bought that shiny object, got a nice van with Viper on the side. We just weren't there yet, and we're still not there yet. Yeah. But, like, we understand that and we know that, where a lot of companies in the beginning don't, and they want to show off or, like, be this cool brand, but it's like you're you're breaking the bank in that process, and you're actually setting yourself up for failure. Mm-hmm. You have to, like, not break the bank and do what just gets you by. Yeah. Like, the forklift, our forklift, we had so many problems with it. But again, the cost to have somebody come and fix it was way less than buying a new one. Yeah. And we knew that. And we knew that going into it, like, hey, this forklift is probably going to fail a lot. 
But in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, it's either 30 grand for a new one or two grand for this one. And we do have a thousand dollar increments every now and then. So when you guys were looking at that truck, did you consider selling your personal vehicle and just date like driving every single day that Dodge Ram just to make your life at work easier? No, because I knew that my car was better, was more reliable than yeah. that thing. And I had to drive from Appleton to Green Bay. So I'm like, okay, okay this thing probably it's wouldn't. like a 30 minute drive. Yeah, this thing probably wouldn't be the best to make that drive. Um, so that was just a work truck. And um, we would, it, again, it had a bed, it had no bed cover. So these the seats come in cardboard boxes. Mm-hmm. And for those that know Wisconsin, the weather's crazy here. It snows six months out of the year. It rains two months out of the year. Yeah. And you have maybe a month and a half of nice weather, Yeah. you know? So majority of the time we were going and picking up seats and we had a tarp. So we would, we would throw a tarp over the, over the boxes to make sure that if we knew, like if it was raining or snowing and we would ratchet strap it down every single time, Hmm. every time we would do that. And we did this for months, months. And we still didn't pay to have a truck go get there because we're like, we're saving hundred dollars every trip. Yeah. By us just going there, I'm like, gas per trip is like maybe $10. So we're saving all this money. Mm -hmm. And we did that to the point to where um, it just didn't make sense anymore. To where our time became more valuable at the business than going out and actually picking up the seats. Mm -hmm. But that took a while. Like, we didn't start having a truck go and pick them up till like probably a year ago, you know? So we had all that pain and suffering of having to do that tedious task for so long, but we just put up with it because it was saving us money. Mm-hmm. Driving down the street and somebody's looking at you like, bro, that's a shitty truck. And you got all that, all, all the seats in the back. Like, I didn't care Yeah, because I'm like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be a, a, a faker of like buying this nice van, loaning it out, having our big sign on it. Yeah. You might look cool, but little do you know, the bank is hurting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they're knocking. Yeah. They we're not we're not there a, to get paid. We're not people to like show off or like buy the shiny objects and stuff like that. Um, I mean, eventually we'll get to that point where we can invest in the best equipment because I do believe in having the best equipment does make your process much more efficient yeah. and easier on your employees as oh, well. Big time. So it's like we're still not there yet, but we're getting closer. Look yeah. at everything we're buying. I know. You know, yeah. It and it, I think it's a slow growth thing. And I, I don't think it should ever be quick because I think if you like overspend and you get yourself in a spot where you, you know, mm-hmm. where maybe, you know, maybe if you dump too much into marketing and you need more in, in production, you know, you could, you could sell, you know, 10,000 shares, but mm-hmm. if you can only make a thousand a week, you're in trouble. Like, yeah, it, and, and it has to scale like linearly yep. um, because if you outdo yourself in one area, you could, you mm-hmm. know, you could really hurt yourself. So. Yeah, that and like, you need to under like learn the value of a dollar and understand yeah. like that every dollar in the beginning stages are <clears throat> so valuable, and if it's not spent wise, that could put you in a very bad spot, mm-hmm. a very dangerous spot, and could almost put you out of business pretty quickly. You know, and we still, like I said, we're slowly but surely starting to get better and better equipment on everything, better camera equipment. We're gonna get better podcast mics. But that took three years, mm-hmm. you know, to get here. Now imagine just one more year what we could buy, mm-hmm. you know. So if you're starting off or even if you're like in the super beginning stages, we're, we, we were grateful to have such 
quick growth to where we're at right now. Um, but like, even if you're at the three or four year mark and you're still not at the point where you can buy all the nice stuff, just stick it out, man. Yeah. You know, stick hang it out, there. hang in there, like day in and day out, keep doing what you're doing. Don't break the bank on the shiny things or what you're seeing on Instagram or what these other people are doing. Like focus on you and that's it. Just like, um, uh, Tulam said yesterday too, he's like, biggest life change for him was when he quit focused on other people and focused on himself. Mm-hmm. Same thing in business. Like for your company, I'm focused right now on Viper. That's it. I'm not looking at what other people are doing. Like I might admire them and be like, okay, cool. Maybe we could take that and do it, do it ourselves. I'm focused on Viper, not what anybody else is doing, mm-hmm. you know, plain yeah. and simple. That's pretty good. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add about the the old facility? I don't want to, I feel like we're probably nearing the like 40, 50 minute mark. Yeah. So we'll, let me, let me just dive in quick on like the point where, cause the next episode Dylan will be on. Yep. So you guys will meet my brother and, um, so we move in, we have this 3000 square foot facility, not state of the art. It was actually a, a massive building divided into four different buildings. And like the monthly payments, I remember on it, like hurt to sign that check. Cause I'm like, watch it. I'm looking at the bank account. I'm doing the math of like, all right, I'm signing these two checks. And at this point, my dad's printed the checks. Like he's in our QuickBooks account, mm-hmm. like saying, Hey, you got to sign this. And like, I remember doing the math of like taking the bank account number and subtracting it from what I just signed. And I'm like, oh, dude, we got to go. But that was motivating. Yeah. You know, that was a motivating point, And I still do it to date. Like, I'll, I'll, I, I know what's going in or coming in. I know what's going out. And like, I like knowing that because it pushes me to work even more, mm-hmm. to get up even earlier, to stay even later at night. Um but at this point, like I would see what I'm signing and what was in the bank account, and that would push me to stay later, mm-hmm. to not go out on the weekends and use every single day to like redo the website or redo the process, rearrange the warehouse. How do I get away from all this foam? How do I quit spray painting the boxes? You know, mm-hmm. and I just digested every kind of pain point and made it one percent better every time. And we're co- we're continuing to do that yeah, today. Yeah, I I still see it today. You where know? we try and remove the inefficiencies and find you know um, better ways to improve the products and to improve the you know mm-hmm. the the work to make it simpler, to make it easier, to make it more efficient. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, even with the podcast schedule, mm-hmm. like we started off as kind of like chaotic of like, hey, you want to shoot today? Sure. Now it's on a schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's growth comes from constant improvement. Mm-hmm. You know, and the improvement doesn't have to be dramatic. It can just be slightly better, slightly better yeah. over time. And that's what I really think a lot of Viper's growth came from is just constant improvement on everything. The system out in the shop, how we're processing orders, how we're responding to customers, like how we're answering phone calls, what time I'm answering phone calls at, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and that constant improvement over time, just, we just kept getting more efficient and better and faster and more orders started coming in we could process more. We could take more cash in and just over time that, that shit just grows. Um, but yeah, we're at a, we're at a, we were at a point where, um, it was 3000 square foot facility. It was myself and I hired, uh, Drake was our first employee and 
he was a welder. So he was welding like the backrests and he had a full-time job. He was just doing this on the side. Like he would come to the shop for two or three hours because I couldn't pay him full-time, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, he would come in for two or three hours a day, come and weld some backrests when, whenever he had time after his full-time job. Mm -hmm. And it got to a point where he started to see an increase in, in how much he was coming. And he was, I needed him for like four or five hours a day. And at that point I'm like, okay, I need him for five hours a day. And he was seeing it as like, Hey, you need me for five hours a day. I can't do both. Like I'm, I'm at my full-time job and I'm coming here. Like I'm going to have to either you guys hire me or I'm going to stay where I'm at full time. Mm -hmm. And I made the leap and I'm like, okay, let's, let's bring you on full time. And like, I want you here every single day. And we'll, we'll give you more responsibilities. Maybe we can bring some more stuff in house to, to keep you busy mm-hmm. and to, uh, like help the quality control and everything. So did he, did he pack boxes early on? Yeah. It, so he oh, was, so he was cool. welder, but like, again, we didn't have enough orders to keep him busy throughout the day. So yeah. yeah, he would, he would box up chairs. He would, you know, clean up the shop. He would rearrange everything. Like he would come with ideas of like, Hey, I think we could weld it better. I think we could do this in house. I think we could start doing this. And um, his value, like, paid off within like the first two weeks. Yeah, you know, it yeah. was it was pretty cool to see see Drake come on, and it was definitely the most scary thing bringing on an employee at that time because I we weren't pay, I wasn't getting paid, you know, and it was like I didn't care though because like I was used to not getting paid in the past. Mm-hmm. So I'm like I don't really care. I want like I'll pay you and. I don't need to make any money right now because I know where this is going to go, mm-hmm. you know? So Drake comes on, he's there for, um, I think it was like a month, maybe two months. And we just kept picking up, picking up. This was my daily morning, daily and nightly thing. Every single day was Viper. We started to grow to the point where, um, my brother was getting getting involved after work as well. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Dylan will talk more about it, but he worked at our previous family company called Rush Machine Design. He was their lead engineer, was there for like 15 years, making great money. He had full benefits, 401k, health insurance. He had it, he had it made, you yeah. know? And I was at the point where I'm like, hey dude, I need I need help with this. And he's like, okay, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna quit. I'll come and help you on my yeah. on my free time, like on the weekends and stuff. I'm like, I'll take it. Whatever. I don't have to pay you. Like yeah. you just help it out as a brother. I appreciate yep. that. And he would come help out and this happened for like two or three months. Now he's like, Holy shit, you're picking up. Now his wife came and helped. Nicole <laughs> came and helped wrap backrests and yeah. this went on for another two months. And then I'm like, dude, Dill, this is like this is picking up, man. Yeah. Like we're ready you're we're getting ready to do this. Yeah, like I'm like do you want to come on and like take this risk with me? Yeah. I know it's scary. I know you're making good money, but Dylan will talk about it too. He was at a point in his career where he didn't have any more room for growth. Like Mm -hmm. my dad's company got bought out and he was at the point where his room for growth, he, he just didn't see it. Yeah. It was corporate now, like for anything to get done, it had to go through, 15 different people different yeah and he's like throughout the day i'm just sitting there he's like i would i would design something up sending off and i have nothing to do for like the rest of the week so he's like the money was great and all but i didn't have a purpose i didn't have value of like my my day Mm -hmm. and he said that got to him long enough to where he didn't want to live a life of regret of being hey 
damn, I wish I would have hopped on this, this company with my brother. So long story short, Dylan, this was huge for him. And I give him props. Like he made the jump from a super comfortable spot. He had a nice house, like was raking in the cash to jumping off and, and taking the risk with me. Mm-hmm. And like for somebody to do that, that is extremely difficult going from having the life to getting paid nothing. Yeah. No health insurance, no 401k, no salary. There's nothing. We weren't getting paid. <laughs> and it was just really cool. And, and like that showed me that he respected me and trusted what we were building. Mm-hmm. And for him to take that leap of faith was, was super honorable, honorable. Um, but yeah, then Dylan comes on and dude, we just hammer. Yeah. Like, we so go. I think next time let, we'll hear a little bit of Dylan's perspective. Yeah. Um, and hear his half of the story, you know, sort yep. of leading up to uh, the point where he leaves his previous job. Yeah. So. Yep. But. So um, I like it when you le- end it off with one note to take away. Yeah. I I would love to, to hear it. Um, I would say that you don't have to have the best gear to get started. I mean, that would be. Uh, from a, a camera perspective, you know, I, I thoroughly believe that, like, mm-hmm. I honestly believe that, that it's more important to just start creating than it is to have the best thing because nothing's mm-hmm. going to be perfect, mm-hmm. you know, and I guess that would be my takeaway is you don't need the shiny object. You mm-hmm. don't need the the next newest thing. You know, yeah. if I had to step backwards in, in like gear equipment, I'm, you know, it would suck, but I could still make like good shit good ideas are good ideas period yeah yeah i love that i would branch off that and say during the times when you don't have the best gear just be faithful and keep putting the time in knowing that everything you're going through is just setting you up for future success and much more efficient processes and systems and better equipment and this that and the other Mm -hmm. um so you may not be able to afford the best equipment now, but what you're doing, you have to put that time in, no matter how long it is, in order to get that nice equipment or in order to make mm-hmm. a better process or system or whatever it is. Um, but like that's such a super valuable point that a lot of people kind of overthink. Um, is that along with wearing all the hats, mm-hmm. put your ego on cool when you're in the beginning stages or you're starting something new and understand that you're going to have to do everything in order for bringing on new people, setting up the systems how you want it. You can't, it's going to be very difficult for you to train somebody in operations or in web development or in sales if you haven't done that before or at least a little bit of it. Yeah. So... I highly recommend if you're starting off, you can always go hire some people for this stuff. And yeah, sometimes that does make sense, but try to learn it first before you start spending all your money elsewhere. Yeah. If you can afford it and you can afford to pay a web developer overseas to do it, go do it. Mm-hmm. But like if you're breaking the bank for it, learn it yourself, yeah. plain and simple, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So next episode... We'll have Dylan on, excited to get his face in here and start telling his side of the story. I want him to go in detail because his story is super beneficial. I think a lot of people will learn from it. Oh, yeah. Of like being in that comfortable spot, you know? Yeah. Being in that comfortable spot and forcing yourself to take that 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 leap. 
you know? I've never met anybody else uh, who is my exact age. He's like six months older than I am. And like he is more mature and somehow less mature than me all at the same time. <laughs> it's like I can talk to him and like ask him like stuff and it's like, oh, that's really insightful. And yeah. then he like sends me a, a fart reel on Instagram <laughs> at the same time. So Dude, he's, it'll the, be a hoot. The dude's hilarious. But uh, yeah, he, he's got a great point of view. Um, and it's a lot of what we talked about with, with you as well. Like taking that, taking that leap on a new company, mm-hmm. um, and just not staying comfortable, plain and simple. Yeah. Again, referencing back to Tulam, the reason he does all those things in the morning and throughout the day is because he's putting himself in uncomfortable situations because he doesn't want to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that, take that in and let that sit because that is so valuable. Yeah, I agree. In today's civilization, we are very comfortable as individuals and it's weakening us. Get a little uncomfortable. Get uncomfortable. Do the thing. Have a difficult discussion. Yes, like do the things that you don't want to do. Nobody wants to do the shit that you're that you're thinking of right now. You know, and in order to get to that next stage to mature to become wiser, more knowledgeable, you have to go through it and do it. Yeah. You want to give us a little viper yes. energy ad? Let's talk. Speaking about this. of this, knock on wood. Okay, I just got some. I just got an email before this. Yep. That premix that we were missing. Yes. Has been completed. Okay. Okay. Which it's means going through testing right now. Okay. Should complete testing at the end of May. Okay. Thirty first. Okay. For a production day of June twelfth. Okay. Let's okay. let's so knock on wood. We're knocking we're on gonna, wood. Not, we're not I'm gonna not, make any new promises. I'm not excited yet. Yeah. yeah. Pretty excited, but I'm not yet. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see. Tell us about what that premix does. Yeah, so Viper Energy is a brand new energy drink that we brought to market because we simply felt like a lot of bigger brands out there were simply um, being misinformative to the end consumer. So Viper Energy is the complete opposite, opposite of that. It is extremely nutritional. It has no artificial ingredients. It is packed with all nine essential amino acids. It has vitamins from vitamin C, B, and D, along with magnesium and zinc. But my favorite part about it is it has 150 milligrams of natural caffeine from green tea extract topped with L-theanine and L-glutamine. Now, when you combine these three together, you get absolute tunnel vision focus. And it's sustainable energy throughout the day as well. Um I'm beyond excited to release this to the public. I know it's been a long project, but this is definitely a passion project, and I'm super excited for you guys to try it. Um, We want to be the trustworthy brand out there, the brand that you can walk into the store, the grocery store, or the gas station and see a Viper product and trust the ingredients in it. Again, I'm pumped for you guys to try this. We have a lot coming besides just energy drinks, so stay tuned. And let me know what you think. Give us some feedback. So, absolutely. Well, thanks, thanks for, for watching. T- thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.